Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share, download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, my friend, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, what I want to talk about today, I want to talk about some facts, but before we get started, because this is going to be an eye-opener for all of us. Amen. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, over here in Second Peter chapter 3, because Father, we love you and we no longer want to do anything that displeases you No longer do we want to walk in willful disobedient sin because 2 Peter 3 tells us the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare since everything will be destroyed in this way what kind of people ought you to be you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of god and speed is coming amen that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward, hallelujah, to a new heaven and a new earth. 
the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Amen. Father, oh, what encouragement. We are highly encouraged to live in repentance because we understand and we got the memo. This earth will not stand. So, Father, help us today with today's lesson. Let us all understand and be reminded we must repent. We must repent so that our sins may be forgiven. Father, sad to say that there are stumbling blocks in the body of Christ. They hate the word repent. They hate the word repent because it confronts them in their sin. Sins. Father, we were all there at one time. But we must change the way we think. No longer do we think sin is the big time fun. No longer do we think you are playing with that lake of fire because you are not. No longer do we trample over the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ who laid down his perfect life so that we don't go to hell, so that we don't face your holy, righteous, just wrath to come. Father, I give you all the glory. I give you all my praise and worship. Yes, we will obey your every command. It is not burdensome to us. Because we understand that if we say we love you, then we will obey your commands. Help us today, Father. We need more of your grace. Bless you for your mercy and your long-suffering, Father. I pray for your people, Father, that we turn from our sins. We don't go back to the vomit. No longer do we wish to roll in the mud. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right, folks. So let's get into it because the facts, the facts are stated in the word of God as it relates to the unrepentant. And to the lukewarm, backsliding Christian. Folks, if you do not repent and believe on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you die, you will go to hell, a burning hell, as you await the final judgment. 
You can't say nobody didn't tell you to repent. You must repent. Jesus told us to repent. Matthew 4.17 From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus was telling the world, I'm here. I showed up. The promised, long-awaited Messiah, I'm here. And he's telling us to change our minds. Regret our past sins. No longer do we keep rolling in those things that God detests that they are an abomination to him. No longer do we walk on our own accord by the dictates of this rotten, stinking flesh. Amen. So the father said in Isaiah 30 verse 15, this is what the sovereign Lord the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Folks, We cannot be of the mindset that we don't need to repent. How could you say we don't need to repent? What you need to do is come out from amongst these false teachers who insist on telling you that repentance is a work. Repentance is not a work. It is part of salvation so that your sins may be forgiven. The reason why they don't want to teach on repentance because they do not want to offend you. Folks, it all boils down to the Benjamins because if they make you squirm in that seat, oh, you are not going to come back especially if you are in sin and he's highlighting that if you don't stop it, you will go to a burning hell. And you are like, well, I'm not coming back to hear that anymore. So they come up with these 20 minute sermons to tickle your ear so that you can continue to be a member And if you are a member, then they can continue to indoctrinate you with the false doctrine of tithing and sowing seed because you must understand for them, they have pet doctrines. And where you find church membership requirement, you, excuse me, you will always find the false doctrine of tithing and sowing seed into their ministry. Because as they tell you, oh, this is good ground. 
Oh, absolutely. They will tell you that it is good ground. But make no mistake, folks, that money is not going to God. It is going to continue to furnish their lavish lifestyle. Make no mistake. So we see Peter because on Judgment Day, if you have not come out of your sins there will be no excuse about how, oh, nobody told you. Well, Peter tells us to repent. Acts 3, verses 18 to 19. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Amen. Paul, Paul declares we must repent. Acts 20 verse 21, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Amen. And folks, by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of the living God through Christ Jesus, I exhort you, I beseech you, my brethren, to repent of your sins, turn, turn from your wicked ways and turn to God. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the reality is this. You ain't going to live forever. Hebrews 9, 27. And just as it is appointed and destined for all men to die once and after this comes certain judgment. So folks, I'm giving us the facts today. The facts are if you do not repent, you will go to hell when you die. Now, I don't know if you ever heard it as bluntly as that. If you are new to this podcast, over here we are all about repentance. We are all about serving in Jesus' army to go out and into his harvest and help him in the recovery mission of the lost. And to wake up the religious believer who thinks church is everything they need to be saved. All of the traditions of men, all of the doctrines of devils that come out of the apostate church. We can no longer be swayed by the false doctrines. We cannot. These false doctrines will lead us back onto that broad way 
to hell, of which we have barely by the skins of our collective teeth have escaped from. So, our mandate, all of us, is to go out into the world and preach this gospel. We are to preach repentance for the forgiveness of your sins. Anything else is another gospel. Amen. And so, we understand we only get one shot at life. One. There will be no reincarnation. There is no such place as purgatory as the Catholic, as the Roman Catholic pagan church preaches. There is no place upon death that you can somehow get it right. And then somebody, I don't know, because I we know it ain't Jesus, will give you the okay in purgatory that you have served enough time and now you are free to enter into the pearly gates of heaven. Folks, don't believe the lie. That will never happen. There is no such place as purgatory. So, I want to give us a scenario. <laughs> I want to give us a scenario of a crime being taken place and what happens upon arrest. Because in the natural, when you commit a crime and you get caught, you are arrested. You are thrown into jail until your arraignment. At the arraignment, you will, you will hear the charges leveled against you. You will also hear whether or not bail has been set, depending on the crime, depending on your past felonious record. After that, whether or not you make bail or not, you go back to jail. And then you have what's called pre-trial proceedings. At that proceedings, your lawyer and the DA go over the facts of the case. They present your attorney with the evidence they have to charge you with that crime. There are discoveries, there are witness statements, and if there is no plea agreement on the table, the case will go to trial. You will be tried by a a panel of your peers, 12 jurors. Based on the facts of the case, your lawyer presents your defense. The DA presents their case. It goes to the jury. The judge instructs the jury on the law. They go away to deliberate. They come back with a verdict. 
whether it be guilty or innocent. If it is, if you are found guilty, you will have to stand for your final sentencing. A date will be set for you to come back to stand before the judge to find out how many years you will have to do for this crime. Okay. That's man's courtroom. How much more so do you think that God has a right to judge the wicked? To judge them in righteousness. Because just like in the land, you break man's laws, you will go to jail. How much more so when you break God's holy laws that you too will have to stand accountable. The only difference is that God and his mercy has provided a savior, a mediator, an advocate to stand before you and between you and holy God so that you may be pardoned of your sins because over there in man's court, no one will come to stand in your place to take your life punishment or execution depending on what you have done so if you reject God's hand of salvation what else is left for him to do with you so let's go to the courtroom the charge what is the charge that has been leveled against the willful, unrepentant sinner. Well, the charge is sin. You have committed a crime against holy God. Yes, folks, it is a spiritual crime against God when you willfully sin and break his laws. Romans. Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift that you obviously denied and rejected, nonetheless, the free gift of God, that is his remarkable overwhelming gift of grace to believers is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And what is this death? Yes, sin can cause a physical death in your life. This death over here that Paul was talking about, he was talking about eternal separation from God and from his son. In that lake of fire. Because see that is the second death. So that's the charge. Sin. You've committed high treason. Against the holy God. So. What is the indictment? Well. 
the indictment is that you have rejected. You have rejected the one that can save you from the wrath of God to come. Folks, we got to understand that God is, thank you, Holy Spirit. He is the same God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. The same Holy God of Israel who told them to repent is also telling us in the 21st century to repent. So the indictment, because since you rejected his plan of salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, his wrath is heading your way. John 3. John 3, 19 to 21 tells us that this is the judgment. That is the cause for indictment. Because folks, if you want to know why this indictment, you want to know why this indictment is now upon your head, John 3, 19 to 21 is finna tell us. This judgment, that is the cause for indictment, the test by which people are judged, the basis for the sentence, is this, folks, the light. Talking about Jesus. Capital L, the light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness. It says, and people love the darkness rather than the light. It's telling us that people love their sinful, dark sin. Mm-hmm. They love it. They love that rather than Jesus. The Bible is telling us that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light. Why? For their deeds were evil. For every wrongdoer hates the light. Again, it's telling us that the wicked hate Jesus and does not come to the light. The wicked the unrighteous will not come to Jesus. The Bible is telling us why you are being indicted. It's because God sent the light. He sent Jesus to this world to save you from your sins. But you hated Jesus. You hated Jesus because he will expose your, how it says it, your, um, where is it? Uh, right. Your evil deeds. That's why you hate the light. Okay. Well, then judgment is coming upon you. That is why you are being indicted. Listen, verse 20. For every wrongdoer hates the light and does not come to the light, but shrinks from it. For fear that his sinful, worthless activities will be exposed and condemned. 
verse 21, but whoever practices truth and does what is, what is right, morally, ethically, spiritually, comes to the light. The Bible is telling us that those who love good, who have repented of their sins, oh, they love to come to Jesus. They come to the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are, accomplished in God, divinely prompted, done with God's help in dependence on him. Amen. So the question on the floor is, is this fair? Is this fair that you are now being indicted because you refuse to stop sinning against holy God and you have rejected his son Jesus because you love to stay in your filth and you believe ain't nothing wrong with it. You don't need to be saved. God can keep his redemption plan to himself. Okay, so... When the heat is now being put to your feet, you want to scream, is this fair? Well, is it? Did God give us any warning? He sure did. Oh, there will be no excuses on Judgment Day, folks. Listen, God most certainly gave us plenty of warnings, namely Acts 17, verses 30 to 31. Therefore, God overlooked and disregarded the former ages of ignorance. But now, the Bible says, but now, folks, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. What is repentance? Well, it is to change your old way of thinking, thinking, to regret your past sins, and to seek God's purpose for your life. Amen. It is essentially doing a 180 degree turn from sin and then you turn to God. In your mind, you no longer think sin <clears throat> is the big time fun. No longer do you think sleeping around is okay. No longer do you think smoking weed and cigarettes are okay. No longer do you a thing drinking like a fish is okay. No longer do you think being envious, jealous, and boastful is okay. No longer do you commit adultery. No longer do you think your second and third remarriage is okay, even though your first covenant spouse is still alive is okay because you have been deceived like the rest of us that Jesus says that we can divorce if our spouse <clears throat> commits adultery but that is not what Jesus said study the scriptures 
I have done, as I always mention, I have done numerous episodes on this podcast about the true biblical understanding of what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 9, that if you divorce for any other reason except it be for fornication and you remarry when your first covenant spouse is still alive, Jesus says you commit adultery. Amen. No longer do you think taking God's name in vain is funny with all of that OMG, won't he do it, hallelujah, just making fun of heavenly language. No longer do you think murder is okay. No longer do you think self-murder is okay. No longer do you think lying and stealing and being greedy and covetous is okay. No longer do you think conducting Ponzi schemes, being con men and swindlers is okay. No longer do you think railings is okay. Meaning you no longer think you and a bunch of your friends storm down to your local uh, a police precinct or, or government office talking about your human rights and what you believe is fair and unfair. Folks, let me help you out. Railing is a sin. But the police, but the government, look at what they're doing. Listen, unless they repent, Jesus will deal with the wicked. You are wasting your time because those who want to do evil, they are going to continue to do the evil. And let us not be mistaken. We know there is a Luciferian, Babylonian, Illuminati system at work. They help one another. They cover for one another. So you, my friend, are wasting your time, not to mention you are in sin. You are in gross error. Let God deal with the wicked. Amen. Now, unless y'all are coming together to preach the gospel at the footsteps of the White House, that's different. But if you're going down there to complain and and rant and rave about all of this social injustice, if you are a child of the living God, you are in sin, my friends, because railing is a work of the flesh. We don't we don't participate in none of that. So all of that is a changing of your mind. Now, what you want to do is serve God and please him. What you want to do is serve the Lord Jesus Christ in his harvest. Because he tells us that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. You want to know why it's few? Because people don't want to come out of their sins. They want to do everything but serve Jesus. They are self-indulged. They want to be entertained. They want to sit up under all of 
these satanic movies, TV shows, books, CDs, videos, music, sit up under the false church having their ears tickled where they teach is all about you and your success. They shun the poor. They despise the poor. They, they themselves don't want to be in lack. That is why they preach that, that damnable prosperity gospel. They don't tell you that your ministry is to go out into the highways and the byways and the hedges and the hedges, whether that be on the physical streets or on whatever platforms that God has uh, commissioned you to be on. And you go out and you preach the gospel to tell the people that God has made a way. He has made a way for you to be reconciled and restored back to himself through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. That Jesus laid down his perfect life for you so that you can be reconciled back to the Father. Jesus shed blood on the cross, made atonement for our sins. Jesus paid our penalty. He paid the price so that we don't go to hell, so that our, our relationship can be restored back to the Father that we can have peace with him, that we don't have to be shackled by the dominating, domineering control of sin because he nailed that to the cross. He nailed death to the cross by his resurrection. Jesus, listen, Jesus is still alive today, sitting at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, interceding for us. He's praying that we don't fall away from the faith, that we remain faithful and endure until the end. So there's much work to do. Okay. We can find, let me tell you something. Jesus will give you plenty that you don't have time to be sitting up, up under false ministries. You don't have time to be at the movie houses. You ain't got time to be at the clubs. You ain't got time to be at someone's house having sex that you ain't got no business being over there. You won't, you won't have time to be smoking your weed, drinking your beers and alcohol and just cutting up. You won't have time for none of that. Your day will be spent serving your savior your creator. So folks, there plenty. <laughs> My hand is raised. Plenty to do. So is it fair? Well, we were talking about Acts 17, right? Is it fair? Acts 17 verses 30 to 31, because did God give any warning? Yes, he did. Because in times past, God has overlooked the ignorance. But now he has called all men everywhere to repent. Why? Why has he called all men everywhere to repent? Verse 31, because... Because he has set a day. 
when he will judge the inhabited world in righteousness by a man, capital M, whom he has appointed and destined for that task. And he has provided credible proof to everyone by raising him from the dead. Amen. Folks, God in heaven has appointed the Lord Jesus Christ to be the judge on judgment day, sitting on that great white throne. Amen. And further, further, there will be no excuse for God has told us plainly. John 3. John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered him. I, because he was talking to Nicodemus. I assure you and most solemnly, solemnly, solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. Amen. Jesus is telling us we must be born again. We must be born of the spirit. Why? Because all we had to do to be a sinner was to be born. Because when Adam disobeyed, when Adam disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden by taking fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil from his wife Eve, sin entered into the world. That wonderful fellowship that man had with God was now forever broken. But God had a plan from the foundation of the world. Yes, he knew Adam was going to sin. Even before the world was ever created, God already had a plan to send Jesus. He had a plan to send Jesus into this sin-sick, dark, vile-laden, nasty of a world to save the people from their sins. Jesus ransomed us from the kingdom of darkness. The Father transferred us over to the kingdom of his dearly beloved Son. Sad to say, most people reject that. Well, well, we see there's a penalty for rejecting that. So, what has God done for us? Like I was illustrating, because Jesus told us we must be born again. The Father told us that we must uh, repent and that how in times past he winked at the ignorance but now he commands all men everywhere to repent because he has set a day so what has God done for us so that we don't face his wrath I mean he has done so much and yet we reject that Listen, God in heaven sent 
us a savior from there to rescue us from the kingdom of darkness so that we may have a restored, reconciled relationship with our heavenly creator through Jesus' sacrifice through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sins. The scriptures say, this is, I'm going to read, this is going to be all of, hold on, y'all wait a minute, I'm going to give it to y'all. Okay, this is John 17, right? Because we all know John 3, 16. I'm sorry, not John 17, John 3, 17. I don't know if I said that, but we all know John 3, 16, right? How God so loved the world that he sent us his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him will not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. So verse 17 says, for God did not send the son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world. No, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. Amen. Verse 18 of John 3. He who believes in him, who clings to, trusts in, relies on him, is not judged. He who trusts in him never comes up for judgment. Never. For him, there is no rejection, no condemnation. He incurs no damnation. Amen. Why? Because he got the memo. He got the memo that God ain't playing and that how he sent us a savior and that we must repent and turn to him. That is why for that person, there is no condemnation. There is no judgment. There is no indictment. There is there is no damnation over there in that lake of fire for the one who trusts and believe on Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's why. So it goes on to say, but he, but he who does not believe, cleave to rely on trust in him is judged already. Why? He has already been convicted and has already received his sentence. I told you folks, we are in the courtroom today. This is the scenario for the one who rejects Jesus. Okay, well, guess what? According to the word of God, they are judged already. He has already been convicted. And has already received his sentence. Why? Because he rejected the only one that could have saved him. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Because, right, he has already been convicted and received his sentence because he has not believed in and trusted in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
he is, just for clarification, he is condemned for refusing. Because see, that's why people go to hell. It's not because they are murderers and liars and thieves and homosexuals. Because there is room at the altar for all of us to come down and repent. But if you don't repent, the reason why people go to hell, the Bible is about to tell us why. it, And it ain't because God is so evil and he's a bully that if you don't bow down and kiss his mob ring, then he would just throw you into hell. And he is so unfair because we are good people. We don't do anything. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. The Bible is about to tell us why people condemn themselves. Themselves. You are already condemned. Why? Refusing to let your trust rest in Christ's name. You refuse him as savior. That is why you go to hell. That's why folks. Listen, verse 19, the basis of the judgment, indictment, the test by which men are judged, the ground for sentence lies in this. Here we go again. It's being repetitive for a reason because y'all act like y'all are not hearing the truth of the situation. It lies in this, the light, Jesus has come into the world and people have loved the darkness rather than and more than the light for their works, their deeds were evil. The Bible is saying that people love their sins more than they love Jesus. So that is why they don't come to him. They refuse him and they ain't going to repent. Because they know, they know that Jesus will shed light on their sins and tell them to stop it. Otherwise, you too shall perish. They don't want to hear that because smoking that weed, sleeping around, drinking and partying and fighting and gossiping is more to them than their eternal soul. To their detriment, to all of our detriment that we were foolish enough to think that this sin is more important to keep on with than turning our lives over to the one that can save us from hell well i don't believe in hell so what it still exists i don't believe in heaven so what it still exists but for the fact that you don't believe in it doesn't make it not so, my friend. Wake up. Wake up and smell the burning lake of fire for what it is. That if your name has not been found written in it, that is exactly where all of us will go to. So, verse 20, for every wrongdoer hates, loathes, detests the light yo 
The Bible is telling us that the wicked hate Jesus. Not only hate him, but they loathe him. They detest him as if he done something to you. He's coming on your behalf. And you got the audacity to fix your face about how you hate him. Why? Because he's going to tell you to stop sinning. He's giving you eternal life. And you telling him, no, you'd rather have this temporal weed. You'd rather have the booty instead of the beauty of Jesus Christ. Yeah, we, we need to wake up. We need to wake all the way up. Glory be to God. So, nonetheless, the wrongdoer hates Jesus. They hate the light and will not come out into the light, but shrinks from it, lest his works, his deeds, his activities, his conduct be exposed and reproved. It's a sad state of affairs, but we were all like this person. We were, we was not trying to come to Jesus because we didn't want the reproof. We didn't want the correction. We didn't want the rebuke. Our mentality was let me sin in peace. Oh, Wow, verse 21 of John 3, but he who practices truth, who does what is right, comes out into the light. People who repent of their sins, confess their sins, their past sins, we run to Jesus. We run to him and I implore you run to Jesus. Come repent, change your mind. You ain't having the big time fun that you think you are because you don't know when Hebrews 9 27 will show up in your life. It could be in the next second. You don't know. And but for the fact we don't know is telling that we must today come to Christ. Today is the day of your salvation. You don't know when you are going to die. You are not that arrogant to believe you are going to live forever. In this day and age, you got young folks Dropping like flies, like flies. They too thought they had their whole lifetimes. I recently had a nephew, 23 years old, got hit by a New York City train. Thought he had his whole life. Didn't make it out of here. Didn't make it out of here, folks. Listen, this is not a game. Young folks are dropping like flies. They didn't know that that day was going to be their last day on the earth. Did they repent? No. They were like, I'm young. I got my whole life like, like I was when I was like 27. I thought, well, you know what? I'll get saved when I'm like 65 years old. You know, I'll be that, that, that little old church lady sitting in the front, uh, the front pews at the church. Meanwhile, I was in a near fatal car accident. 
Did that wake me up? No. No, because apparently I thought I was invincible. I'm young. I'm pretty. I'm fine. I'm this. I'm that. Just selfish. Selfish as can be that I thought that I had a whole lifetime to make a decision for Christ. We better wake up. We better wake up. So he who practice truth, who does what is right, comes into the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are wrought with God, divinely prompted, done with God's help in dependence upon him. Amen. So final sentencing, because we saw the charge, the charge is sin. We saw the indictment because God has sent prophet after prophet, disciple after disciple, apostle after apostle to tell the people they must repent. He even said in times past, I winked at the ignorance of the ages, but now I've called all men to repent because I've set a day. Okay, so the indictment, you have heard the charge. God told you to repent. Obviously, you said no. Okay, well, this is the final sentencing. The final sentencing is and will take place on Judgment Day. When is Judgment Day? We don't know. That is why you must repent and turn from your sins today. Right right now. Right now, just turn your life over to Christ. Because no, there is no set formula sinner's prayer to say. And then you are miraculously saved. No, it's all about talking to God in your heart. Confess, I am a sinner. I need to be saved. Lord, help me. Like, cry out to God. Repent of your sins. Stop doing it. Don't go back. Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can walk this this wonderful life out in faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he is your Savior. And when you come to Christ, you don't go back to sin. Okay? Pray. Ask him to to put across your path a true, sincere word of God ministry that that preaches and teaches on repentance, that that promotes the real Jesus, that tell you that if you don't stop sinning, you ain't going to make it. Okay, don't do like how we all got duped into doing, falling for these false ministries, because folks, make no mistake, the scripture is clear. God will not give anybody money if they bring money to a church. These false church leaders, bishops and pastors and whatever else vainglory title they want to put on themselves because those are not titles. Those are gifts. Jesus, before he ascended back up to heaven, gave gifts 
to men, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Those are functions of administrations to help the body of Christ learn about scripture, learn true doctrine. Why? So that we don't be tossed and fro as as immature children of the faith that we grow to to now chew on the meat, the the heaviness of the things of God in his word so that we don't be tossed to and fro so that some charlatan, some bookie in a suit, in a three-piece monkey suit can stroke your ego ego about how precious and special you are in the sight of God and all he wants to do is bless you. Don't believe the hype. No. Godliness with contentment is great gain because for them, they think godliness is is a money-making scheme to get paid. Oh, study 2 Peter chapter 2. So, final judgment, what is it? Well, we know how Hebrews 9.27, right, told us that We are all appointed once to die and then the judgment. Well, the judgment is as recorded in Revelation 20 verses 11. Let me get back over here. Yep. Verses 11 to 15. Listen, John was given this amazing vision while he was sentenced. No, while he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos for the testimony of Jesus, right? Because John was preaching the gospel all day and he wasn't even trying to stop, even under heavy persecution. So they exiled him to this rocky prison place over there on the Isle of Patmos. So Jesus gave him this vision among many in the book of Revelation, but namely this great white throne judgment. So John goes on to write about how he saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne and the books. The books were opened, including the Lamb's book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. See, everything we have ever done is being recorded in the books of our lives lives heaven must have this enormous recording system and a huge library filled with all the books of every person ever born so john is telling us that the books were opened including the Lamb's Book of Life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. 
the sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. Folks, the Bible is telling us that even hell itself will be thrown into the lake of fire as long along with death. Amen. So it goes on to say in verse 14, the end of verse 14 says this lake of fire is the second death. And if we go back to John, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 6.23, where it says how the wages of sin is death. It's talking about this second death over here. Anyone whose name was not found, verse 15 is like, and anyone whose, whose name was not found recorded in the book of life, guess what? Was thrown into the lake of fire. Other translations have it. They were hurled. They were cast into the lake of fire folks listen revelation 14 gives us a a scenario picture that should wake all of us up it talks about how you will be tormented day and night forever and ever and there will be no relief and that the smoke of your torment will rise forever and ever amen because it was it was talking about those who take the mark of the beast during the end time during during the end times that if you take that mark there is no more repentance you have sealed your eternal faith and then it was talking about this lake and that's true for all of the unsaved dead you will be resurrected your body and your spirit will come together to stand before Jesus at the great white throne judgment. And you will be thrown in there. Yep. So your, your feeble excuse talking about, but wait, I'm a good person. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm a good person. Can't you see? You are deceived. We were all deceived to think that any good works that we could have done. Oh, I'm a good person. I just get up, go to work, take care of my family. That's it. I don't bother anybody. I do me. I leave everybody alone. So why am I going to hell? Have you repented of your sins? What sin? I'm not a sinner. Have you received Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior? Has, have you laid down your life in total surrender to him so that he could save you from this faith? Well, I don't believe in Jesus because people tell me that, that Jesus was a black man. He was a white man. He came from the north. He came from the south. His mother was not Mary. Mary wasn't a virgin. And all of this foolishness at the end of the day, answer the question 
Have you repented of your sins? No, I'm not a sinner. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? No, because I don't believe the Bible. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, Romans 3. Romans 3. Let's see how much of a good person you think you are. Because at the end of the day, God already told us that our our righteous works, right? Self-righteous works are nothing but filthy, bloody, menstrual, menstrual rags to him. Well, that's disgusting. Exactly. And so are your self-righteous works in the eyes of God. So, do you still think you're a good person? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, Romans 3. Romans 3 says, starting at verse 10, as it is written, none is righteous. We could put a period right there and shut this whole podcast down right now, but we ain't. We ain't, because people still think that I'm a good person. I should be able to go to heaven. And if heaven doesn't exist, then I surely don't deserve hell. Hell is for the murderers. Hell is for the serial killers. I'm none of that. I'm not a rapist. Okay. As it is written, like the Bible was saying, none. None is righteous, just and and truthful and upright and conscientious. No, not one. Verse 11. No one understands. No one intelligently discerns or comprehends. No one seeks out God. The Bible is saying no one is checking for God. You want to know why? Because you're too busy living your best life. You're too busy being self-indulged. You're too busy trying to get that next contact and contract. You're too busy trying to find a mate. You're too busy trying to plan for vacations and storing up 401ks. Yeah, you ain't seeking for God. None of us were. Not when we was out there in the world doing us. No, sad to say, verse 12, all, and all means all, have turned aside. Together they have gone wrong and have become unprofitable and worthless. No one does right, not even one. What part of that are we not understanding? So we can claim all the self-righteous acts to the moon and back. In God's eyes, whose eyes only matter, okay? He's telling us, apart from Jesus, ain't no one good. None. Okay. Verse 13, their throat is a yawning grave. They use their tongues to deceive, to mislead, and to deal treacherously. The venom of asp. Is beneath their tongue, uh, beneath their lips. Their their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. These are they who say they are a good person. And God is telling you to your face. No, you are not. Apart from my son. No, you are not. 
Their feet, verse 15, are swift to shed blood destruction as it dashes them to pieces and misery mark their ways. And they have no experience of the way of peace. Folks, apart from Jesus, you cannot say with absolute certainty you have peace. And the peace you think you have is false. False. And they have no experience of the way of peace. They know nothing about peace. For a peaceful way, they do not even recognize. The Bible is saying you won't recognize true peace. (laughs) You would not recognize true peace even if it slaps you in the face. You can't see it. You don't recognize it. There is no reverential fear of God before their eyes. None. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that the murmurs and excuses of every mouth may be hushed. And all the world may be held accountable to God. So shut it. Shut it down. Shut it down. Verse 24. No person will be justified, made righteous, acquitted, and judged acceptable in his sight by observing the works prescribed by the law. For the real function, if you want to know, the real function of the law is to make men recognize and be conscious of sin. Not mere perception, but an acquaintance with sin, which works toward repentance, faith, and holy character. But now the righteousness of God has been revealed independently and altogether apart from the law. Although actually it is attested by the law and the prophets. Verse 22, we're taking it down, folks. Namely, the righteousness of God, which comes by believing with personal trust and confident reliance on Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And it is meant for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned. Because if you think you ain't a sinner, you're lying to yourself, friend. Mm -hmm. You are deceived and you need to wake up. The Bible is telling us all have sinned and are falling short of the honor and glory which God bestows and receives. This is why we come to Christ, so that we are no longer sinners. All are justified, verse 24, and made upright and in right standing with God freely by his grace, his unmerited favor and mercy through the redemption which is provided in Christ Jesus. So see what you are missing out on friend. When you don't come to Christ Jesus. You will die as a sinner. 
a wretched sinner, a wretched, rebellious, unrepented sinner. If you don't repent and believe on Jesus in faith that he can and will and shall save you from the wrath of God to come and that second death, which is that lake of fire. Because again, can't say it enough on the podcast. God ain't playing with that lake of fire. And so verse 25 of Romans 3, whom God, talking about Jesus, whom God put forward before the eyes of all as a mercy seat and propitiation by his blood, the cleansing and life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation to be received through faith. This was to show, because see, this is why God did all of this, okay? This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over and ignored former sins without punishment. Glory be to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This piggybacks with Acts 17, 30, when God said in times past, he winked at past sins. Over here is telling us the same thing. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance. Do you know what the word forbearance means? That is also um, a banking term used in mortgage contracts where the bank sets up a note for the borrower. Saying that every month on the third, you are to pay $1,500 towards your mortgage note. And if you don't make that payment come 60 days, we will come and foreclose on your property because we, <clears throat> we ain't trying to take a chance on you who have barely passed our scrutiny to get this mortgage in the first place. So come every, every, um, no, no, no. Every 30 days, we expect our money. And if we don't get it within 60 days, we coming to foreclose on our property. Cause until you pay this off, that's my house. This is the bank. That's my house. Okay, fine. So you're going along six months to a year making on-time payments. Cool. The bank ain't got no problem with you at this point. What happens? A few months into the new year, you lose your job. The bank could have sympathy. They can be like, yeah, well, you know, things happen. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Okay. The bank says to you, okay. Because see, now it's four months later and you still haven't paid. They had sympathy. They understand things happen. Where's your new job? Well, I'm still looking for it. I'm, I'm, I got resumes out there. I got applications. The bank is like, where's my money? Now, they could enact on the contract that you signed on day one that you will make on-time payments. 
It didn't have a clause that says, unless you lose your job. No. So the word forbearance comes into play. It's buried down near in the fine print that to the discretion of the mortgage lender, they will give you an extra 90 days to pull it together. But guess what? They don't have to do that. It is at their discretion. It is at their forbearance. They didn't have to do it, but by their grace, they have extended you another 90 days uh, courtesy. By the skin of your teeth, you got another job. You now start making regular on-time payments. But for the fact of their forbearance, you and your whole family would have been out on the street. Amen. Likewise, because of God's forbearance, he didn't have to do any of this. <laughs> okay. Every person born after Adam, when they die, can go straight to a burning hell. But because he is love and he is merciful. And he is gracious towards us. He sent us a savior in his forbearance. He given us another opportunity to pull it together through his son. But if you say no, just like if you told the bank, I don't care how many days you give me, I ain't paying and this is my house. You really think that the bank ain't going to come there with some keys and a lock? Okay, because eventually you got to leave the house. This, <laughs> this is not back in the old time siege where you barricade yourselves in and it takes months for them to get in. No, they coming in with, with a battering ram. So anyway, anyway, verse 26, what it says, yep. Yep, right, how God in his forbearance, his divine forbearance, he passed over and ignored former sins without punishment. Verse 26, it was to demonstrate and prove at the present time in the now season that he himself is righteous and that he justifies and accepts as righteous him who has true faith in Jesus. Amen. Then what becomes of our pride and our boasting? It is excluded, banished, ruled out entirely. Right. Because we ain't got nothing to do with this. Okay. We ain't got nothing to boast about. This is all God. Amen. On what principle? On the principle of doing good deeds? Nope. But on the principle of faith. For we hold that a man is justified and made upright by faith, independent and distinctly apart from good deeds. Again, this is digging home to the fact about your self-righteous works and good quote-unquote deeds. You don't have any. <laughs> we don't have any apart from Jesus. Jesus told us apart from him, we can do nothing. What part of you ain't, you can't do nothing without Jesus. Are you not understanding miss? Well, I'm so righteous. I'm such a good person. No, you're not. None of us were. Can't you understand? 
We were born as a sinner. No, I wasn't. Listen, I'm not going over this with you again. <laughs> I just read all of Romans 3 to you. In closing. Whew, I'm so good. Listen, I, I don't want to be Lord. <laughs> I don't want to be Lord. I'll be shutting people down. No, stop it. Stop it all. Okay. So listen, in closing. What must I do before it's too late? What must I do to be saved? Because see, that's the response when you hear the gospel. Okay. I'm going to end this because my, my time has ran out. So listen, when the day of Pentecost, right? Because in, in Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had came, right? They were all, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven, like a rushing violent wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, right? This is Peter and the disciples and some of the other disciples and followers of Jesus, right? There appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were being distributed among them. And they rested on each one of them as each person received the Holy Spirit. And, and they were all filled, that is diffused throughout their being with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, different languages, as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Right. So the people outside heard them speak in their dialect and were amazed because those that were speaking, they were from Galilee. And so they pondered the question, how is it that they are speaking in our own languages? They are not from our town. And some thought they were drunk. But listen to what Peter said. This is his sermon. He said, okay, so we'll come down right and all that. So Peter, because I don't want to read the whole, whole thing, right? How he came. Now, <clears throat> Um, there were Jews, <clears throat> starting in verse 5, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout and God-fearing men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound they heard, the, the, crowd, the crowd outside, they were um, bewildered. And, and Peter, hold on, let me come down here. Let me just write. So starting in verse 14, verse 14. Peter standing with the 11 raised his voice and addressed them because the question on the floor is what must I do to be saved after all of that men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem let this be explained to you listen closely and pay attention to what I have to say. These people are not drunk as you assume since it is only the third hour of the day around nine o'clock in the morning. But this is the beginning of what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see, shall see divinely prompted visions and your old men shall dream divinely prompted dreams 
even on my bond servants, both men and women, I will in those days pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will bring about wonders in the sky above and signs attesting miracles on the earth below blood and fire and smoke and vapor. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Amen. And it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, invoking, adoring, and worshiping the Lord Jesus shall be saved, rescued spiritually. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Verse 22 of Acts 2, Jesus of Nazareth, a man accredited and appointed and and pointed out and attested to you by God with the power to perform miracles and wonders and signs which God worked through him in your very midst, just as you yourselves know. Amen. Verse, Verse 23, this man... It goes on to say, this man, capital M, when handed over to the Roman authorities according to the predetermined decision and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross and put to death by the hands of lawless and godless men. Peter is giving them a recap, okay? Y'all crucified Jesus to that cross. Yes, it was ordained before the foundation of the world, but let us not be mistaken. He was nailed to a cross and put to death by the hands of lawless and godless men. But God raised him up, releasing him and bringing an end to the agony of death. Since it was impossible for him to be held in death's power. Amen. For David says of him, I saw the Lord constantly before me. For he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken from my state of security. Therefore, my heart rejoice, my heart rejoiced and my tongue exalted exceedingly moreover my flesh also will live in hope that is will encamp in anticipation of the resurrection amen for you will not forsake me and abandon my soul to Hades the realm of the dead I'm giving y'all Peter's sermon so that he can answer your question. What is it that we must do to be saved? Hold on. Verse 28. Nor let your Holy One undergo decay after death. You had made known to me the ways of life. You will fill me, infusing my soul with joy, with joy, with your presence. Brothers, 
I may confidently and freely say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so being a prophet and knowing fully that God has sworn to him with an oath that he would sit one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke prophetically of the resurrection of the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, that he was not abandoned in death to Hades, the realm of the dead, nor did his body undergo decay. God raised this Jesus. Hallelujah bodily from the dead and of that fact we are all witnesses therefore having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the father the promise of the Holy Spirit he has poured out this blessing which you both see and hear for David did not ascend into the heavens, yet he said, yet he himself says, The Lord, the Father, said to my Lord, the Son, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, verse 36, hang in there, folks. Therefore, let all the house of Israel recognize beyond all doubt that God has made him both Lord and Christ, Messiah, anointed, this Jesus whom you crucified. Amen. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Another translation says they were pricked in their hearts with remorse and anxiety. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what are we to do? And Peter said to them, repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways, accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For because of the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is for, <clears throat> excuse me, is for you and your children. Hold on. Mm -hmm. Is for you and is for your children and for all who are far away, including the Gentiles. That's us, folks. As many as the Lord our God calls to himself. And Peter solemnly, solemnly testified and continued to admonish and urge them with many more words saying be saved from this crooked and just no be saved from this crooked and unjust generation so then those who accepted his message because you must accept this message folks 
were baptized. You must be baptized, not for the remission of your sins, but for a good conscience that you have been crucified with Christ. Your, your old life goes down in that water and that new life comes up out of the water. Amen. And on that day, about 3,000 souls were added to the body of believers. Amen. Father, who, Father, we bless your holy name. Thank you for your forbearance. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness towards us. You sent Jesus to die for our sins, even while we were yet sinners. You right, Father, none of us was good. Not one single person, none of us deserve your mercy and your grace. That is why it is such a gift. Woe to us if we reject that gift. That is our saving grace. Your love towards us was demonstrated that we receive your son Jesus for all that he has done for us. Thank you for being so merciful upon us, Father. We worship your holy name. We rely on Jesus. We trust in him to be our Lord. He has the final say in our lives. He has the right to dictate the way we should go. He knows best. Jesus was perfect and sinless. He is our example, Father. Yes, we follow him. Yes, we listen to him. Yes, we obey him. And he is our savior. He saved us from our sins. It was a sure thing that when we die in our sins, we will perish. We will go to a burning hell as we await this final judgment. But glory be to you, Father. You rescued us. We needed to be saved. Yes, we were deceived to think that our good works can get us into heaven. Are we serious? Oh, Father, help us today. Help us today, Father. I pray for the lost, that they repent, that they turn from their sins, come out of the wickedness and turn to you, Father. In full obedience, following Jesus. And I pray for all of my brothers and sisters that we remain true and faithful to our Lord. May we never get ourselves tangled up and enslaved by sin all over again. We will be worse off than before. Second Peter chapter 2 tells us we will be worse off than before. It would be better if we had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and reject the command we were given to live godly lives. Father, we prove the truth of these two proverbs. A dog returns back to its vomit and a washed 
pig returns back to the mud if we go back out there into sin being lovers of this world and being partakers of the evilness that is prevailing in this world that is ran by the prince of the air satan god forbid father bless your holy name in jesus mighty name i pray amen amen all right folks so there we have it them are the facts the facts of the case that if you don't repent you will go to hell as you await the final judgment enough said for now glory be to god repent change your mind change the way you think about sin and stop it stop sinning bad company corrupts good morals come to your senses as you ought and stop sinning amen and turn to god and follow jesus amen amen all right folks another one in the can until next time lord willing i shall be speaking to you all soon bye for now guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye